What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. I'm Keith. Potentially, I'm Jack. And even though this won't be timely or topical, by the time this uh, episode comes out, I have seen the memes. Stop DMing me. It wasn't an Air Force F-35. It was a fucking Marine Corps F-35, okay? We lost it. We did not lose an F-35. The Marines lost an F-35. The number of questions people had where they were like, why don't we know where it's at? And I was just like, it's a stealth fighter. They're like, it it is. but how do we not know? I'm like, I hate to tell you this. It's that means no fight. one gets to know. Like the only reason we get to know where that is is because they build a specific system that shouts very loudly. I'm I'm home. Here I am. And <laughs> I gotta like, tell you, that's not when on. you pull that thing that makes the, the, the chair turn into a rocket, it goes with the chair. Like it's out of here, guys. The transponder, yep. the black box, all that shit, it leaves. It's it's headed out. And fun fun fact about this, because we're on the topic, the B model, the Marine Corps model, because it's the JV tool model and can do the hover thing, that's the one with the automated ejection system because there's a failure that can occur while it's in hover that like you don't have time to be like the failure is occurring. It is time to eject. No, the computer does that for you because it's like you're out. Or you're dead. Goodbye. And then (laughs) the jet becomes sort of a really cool glider with no pilot in it and disappears from the radar (laughs) until it it crashes. It becomes the most expensive. I I, I think it's, you know, like, I get it. Like, if you don't understand the technology or you just have a surface level thing, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. But, like, these things are really, the cross-section on an F-35 as a radar sees it is as the size of a bumblebee. Yeah. Yep. So, and sky really big, hella empty. Yeah, like you, you can you have a they're, hard they're time also hard to, see. to be in a room. Like if they're not real low, because of that like the color they are up there, you ain't seeing these things unless you know where to look. Yeah, nope. They're hard to see. They're, I mean, for a jet, Bro, they're it, relatively It can be quiet. hard to find a tens when they're finding they're, they're flying low right, and like, you know they're around and that's a now, really slow plane that's has a pretty right like this thing is not loud <laughs> now i am i am shocked that we don't have footage of it coming down but that's simply just because no one knows where it was coming down at mm-hmm. um, and it did and, go down and, in a fairly and funny story area. guys like as many people as there are in the united states there are still large tracts of land where nobody's around yeah, well, I was down. There are in big the... spaces where nobody's there, looking up, going, "Huh, I wonder if this fighter jet's going to come down over here." I was and down you know... in Northern Virginia this weekend, right, talking about like empty spaces, and I'm maybe 90 minutes outside of Washington D.C. and the D.C. metro area, and there's like no people. You know, I'm like, "Where am I? How far do you have to drive out of D.C. to get to Banjo Country? About 90 minutes." Right, and like. Here's another thing is like whatever Hollywood tells you about crashes where like they hit and there's a giant fireball, that's not reality. Especially planes are designed that when they crash, they don't create fires because we know how bad that is. And when they do create fires, it's because a whole bunch of really bad things have happened. Right. Yep. So Uh, this thing it likely right. It likely crashed. It's a combat aircraft. They're even more hardy. Like those fuel tanks are very important, so they know. Um, you also don't want a crash bird to like go up in flames in case you know the pilots are nearby, 
and that would draw attention to them. Uh, we're just going to J-Dam the bird. Like, if it goes down out there, we're like, oh, we lost one? J-Dam the fuck out of that yeah. thing right now. We are not giving that back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Buy F-35. It, I find this on Losing an F-35 is as funny to me that the stealth Blackhawks crashed on the Bin Laden raid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good old good times. Like I, I to this day, that is a hilarious part of that whole thing to me because I'm like, it kills a lot of conspiracy theories as it confirms them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people. I remember people thought black, you know stealth helicopters were an impossibility, and they weren't. They're very expensive, and they're not very sure. good apparently. Um, but they can do but, uh, you, well. You already have all the problems with helicopter. Now you have all the problems with helicopter, plus trying to keep it as quiet as you can right. make a helicopter and give it a low radar cross section. <laughs> so, like, ah. it crashes and they were like, are bad. So, the coolest thing we have, yeah. also not very good, crashes yeah. a lot. Well, and that's, you know, like, <laughs> it, that's the funny it's thing. Still right? not like, like, really good helicopter, very stealthy thing. Not there, there's a it's, a it's a long way in between the two. Um, it is. Uh, so I, I do have to say one more thing about like aviation before we get onto this actual episode, which is brought to you by Taurus USA and Guns.com. To learn more about the defensive firearms made by Taurus USA for the law-abiding American gun owner, go to TaurusUSA.com. And if you'd like to purchase those firearms, you can go to our friends at Guns.com. Uh, but one more thing about about uh, flying and aviation is I had a, a student in my class today, and I want to be very clear, the nicest man, great student, attentive, smart, thoughtful, and I hate his guts because the man is the following things. He has an undergraduate degree in physics. He was a Navy fighter pilot, and now he's a doctor. Oh, he's still he, he's still in the Navy, and he still flies to keep his status. So he is a physicist, fighter pilot, doctor, and I'm like, bro. Calm down. You be doing too much. <laughs> like, this like, is, like you're the guy that does all the side quests before right? he gets to the main line. He did all the side quests, and I'm like, it's I, like, does he just like walk around and introduce he's, himself? He's, to, he's showing up in the is, level six zone at level ten. He's, he's like, like, hi, wow, I'm a fighter pilot, physicist, doctor, and like, people's pants just come off. Grinding motherfucker. Like, <laughs> like this is what happens when you're the the head of the mages guild, fighter guild, and the thieves guild all at the same time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? And he could he he doesn't even have the decency to be like a C-130 pilot. No, he flew F-18s. <laughs> oh, and was an instructor at Top Gun. Yeah, no, the, fuck the freaking <laughs> cool shit. Damn it! No, like, I would. Can you, I, can you he, fly us forty-seven, he? please? Oh, he's about six feet tall. Of course he is. He's perfect. Yeah. And he's way. handsome. Oh yeah. By the way, he's also handsome. So you know, God, I would, I would, I would hate to be this guy's cousin. Right. You imagine every like fucking Thanksgiving when this guy's name comes up, it's like, "Where's, where's Billy?" It's like, well. Between becoming a Top Gun instructor, he decided to become a doctor as well. And you're just in the corner like, what are you doing, Tommy? They might give me the assistant manager job at Best Buy. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't mind, I'm going to go sit in the car in the garage with the engine running. Don't check on me. Door closed. Give me an hour. I'll be fine. No, I mean, and again, just super, like, super great dude uh like at phenomenal student squared away uh but it was just one of those where you know when he and and of course he doesn't like you know just tell everybody that like when i suddenly had the realization through like four conversations no, no, no. That now, now, this is unbelievable. 
now this is unbelievable. You're telling me there's a fighter pilot that within the first two minutes didn't tell everyone he was a fighter pilot? You're lying. Well, he, he no, no, I knowing knowing the number he of fighter a, pilots, like <laughs> he did say he was a doctor first. Uh, so oh, okay. I was like, okay. okay, well, that makes sense. That tracks. All right. How so anyway, uh, this week's episode has nothing to do with fighter pilot, doctor, physicists, or uh, whatever. Next week's episode maybe about fighter pilots deciding to yeah or aviation, <laughs> nope. but. What we are talking about, and again, this won't be quite as topical by the time we get around to it because we pre uh, preload these, but everybody who listens to the show is probably familiar with the governor of New Mexico, which is funny because three weeks ago, no one knew who she was, including people who lived in New Mexico. Um, and then she went and took her big dumb foot and put it all the way into her mouth, up to the kneecap. Uh, by issuing a uh, an executive order regarding gun control that was so dumb that even people who are pro gun control were tweeting, "Hey, you can't uh, do this. This isn't when how David Hogg. Yes, that David Hogg, the annoying one from all the things and all the hot takes that are bad. Yeah. Yes, that David Hogg. When he goes, ma'am. Now, so I know I, I want to talk about this for a second, too, because, you know, a lot of people saw that and they're like, oh, wow, you know, even the anti-gun people agree that you can't suspend the Constitution. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a reason why all of the anti-gun people tweeted out the exact same tweet. This is called strategy. All right. And they understand that a uh, strategically they have to denounce this executive order because it's such a broad overreach that it actually opens that that it would part of the the for lack of a better anti-gun playbook is in fact to use executive orders like it's it's in there and what happens is, is if you have an executive order that's so broad that it allows us to create a constitutional challenge to executive orders as gun control measures it erodes their plans in the playbook so they're like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. we can't use this and so whether, this is really more of a we can't use this right now. They need to do some more constitutional erosion before they can get to this. But in the short term, it means that the governor of New Mexico said something so dumb that the worst person on Twitter had a good point. Right. Also, David Hogg should fight Garantham. Yes. I <laughs> I hate when kids become political shit and then they get out in the real world and like, it'll be very... like. No one will remember David in five years. No. Once once he has I, completed the slide into irrelevancy, it, he'll just be it's like movie. it's like Greta Thunberg. No one really cares about her. Right. Once especially you, her parents. Yeah, clearly. Exactly. Well, because once you no longer have the protection of being a child and you also can't weaponize your status as a child because you are a legal adult, you either become irrelevant or annoying really, really quick. Like, to be perfectly honest, I forgot David Hogg existed until, you know. Exactly. Like, I'm like, yeah. David who? Oh, yeah, the, the guy who wasn't really there but was sort of there at Parkside but didn't die. So, or wasn't even shot at. But, you know, whatever. Um. So, but what we're going to do. So, first off, a fun fact about the New Mexico executive order is it's already been amended to decrease its scope to public parks and playgrounds where children's and their children's or children and their families are gather. Uh, so it was like the whole city of New Mexico or the whole city of New Mexico is basically a city. Let's be real. There's nothing there. It it was the the structuring of it. Well, I'll give it. One, it was a, a public health emergency, which right. a stretch. 
Um, it's currently in the gun control playbook to pretend that crime is in fact a health problem, but that was a stretch. And it and they set the metric at a thousand incidents per hundred thousand a year, which is current currently Albuquerque in the county that Albuquerque resides in. That's the only spot in New Mexico that's above that threshold right now. And so they're like, yeah, Albuquerque, no concealed carry in Albuquerque because of the children's for health reasons. And you're like, okay, that's all a bucket of fuck. But, you know, oh, all right. And then she goes, oh, no, this is supposed to start the conversation. And then everybody, you see the the Twitter storm from the anti-gun side going, whoa, 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 whoa. Because whether this was an attention play to do something political or she's a true believer, which she might be, this is dumb enough to be true believer stuff. It is. Um, it's it's like that level of dumb hot take that you're like, mm, this is this is peak Karen. Let me speak to the manager stuff. Um, but whether it was for attention or not, it it skylighted the this playbook, this play that anti gunners use so much that they could take a permanent constitutional L in court, and then this can't be used anymore, and they don't want that which is why they're all crying about it on Twitter. Like, oh, amend it and don't, don't do it. But she's like, I welcome the conversation. It's like, I don't know if you know how the English language works, ma'am. It's not really a conversation as much as it's a, oh, dear God, what have you done? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a verbal like, beating. Um, politics happen at all levels. It does. And there's a lot of like, on, on both sides, there's a lot of shady stuff that gets taken place. And I wish that wasn't the case. But this reminds me of something that I think pro-gun people often kind of whitewash. We talked about it before, but I'm going to bring it up. This ordinance reminds me of something historical. Something historical that happened in the American Southwest, as a I, matter of fact. Oddly enough, uh, the Earps, Wyatt and the others, and Doc Holliday, are not good people. They are gun control people. As a matter of fact, the if you wanted to look at the gunfight at the OK Corral through a 2023 lens, what you have is agents of the states performing an extra, judi extra judicial killing of people who refused to surrender their Second Amendment rights. That's right. You know that was well, one. Oh, and the amount of the amount of guns on the other side were quite small. Yeah. The cowboys who came in had like a pistol and a shotgun between six dudes. I I may be wrong here. Some some historical person will probably come back and be like, "There were actually two pistols." I'm like, "Yeah, it's yeah. still dramatically over the top." And this, like, this I, is not to say the cowboys were a good organization or that they weren't doing bad things in town. Right, and it it's also to say that what that occurred was an extrajudicial killing of the cowboys at the OK Corral um, enforcing a gun control ordinance. Uh, now, we are, none of us here are surprised that Jack is, of course, siding with the organized crime people here, you know, but... Actually, but of all of them, I, I side with Doc Holliday, who was under no authority of law, right. actively He was just along for the ride. And just sort of there to kill people. In. Right, like, <laughs> what the... Imagine, imagine that'd be, if that'd be like imagine Jack. if the SWAT team rolled up and I just got to like hop in with them, and they're like, "Come yeah, on, like, 
Yeah, just like, do you enjoy violence, sir? Why, why, yes, I do. Violence is kind of fun sometimes. Do you want to come do some on behalf of the state? Why, surely. That sounds like a grand adventure. Away we go. I do find it funny that tombstone, like the, you know, the the heavily fictionalized version of that story is an extremely popular movie with gun guys. Like, I, and I'm like, they're all like, and to be fair, I love it. Like, I am not, it's a great, I love that movie. But every now and then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm rooting for the guys who are enforcing gun control? Hold We're on. We're not this... saying you can't have a gun. We're saying you can't have it in town, motherfucker. That Take was town. Ooh, that's a curse. Mm. Um, oh, we're this I said no, we, that well, I, in like the I first broke 10 that seconds seal. of this uh, episode. Well, when I when I said it, it popped up on the screen. They're like, Are you playing music? I'm like, no, what are you? <laughs> Jack, what kind of music do you normally listen to? Right. That has such, um... such vile language. So, but it is funny because like it's that movie is it is a staple of the firearms community. And at its core concept, we are rooting for the people who passed gun control. Like that's right. and, yep. and and you know, we have all come to terms without, with that. Without without a process. Yeah, they're they're not a they legislative just made it body. an ordinance. Yeah. They're like, hang on one second. Ha-ha. And technically, in Tombstone, the douchebag county sheriff is right. It, the county does actually have more authority over that sort of stuff, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, uh, you know, so we're talking about, like, dumb gun control takes. And I want to throw it back. This is one that, like, our youthful audience probably might not even remember. But my all-time favorite, red hot, so hot you can barely touch it, and also stupid gun control take comes from... Uh, Diane Feinstein herself, her classic quote, if I could have gotten 51 votes in the Senate of the United States of America for an outright ban, picking up every one of them, Mr. and Mrs. America, turn them all in, I would have done it. That was in 1995 before they got BTFO in the 1996 election. So, yeah. you know, that worked. That worked great. But that's one of my favorite ones because it's such a, I mean, kids today, the youths today don't remember that. Yeah, like that's how spicy the takes were back then. And just imagine it. Like we like to we like to think of uh uh California as this like gun control, you know, utopian paradise, but like gun California is a massive state with a lot of gun owners and a lot of guns. So think of how brain dead that comment is just as a California representative. How many millions of guns just in California you're talking about? And just the logistical nightmare, even back in 95, that that represents. My favorite hot take also comes out of California from from good old state representative De Leon, who stood up in front of everybody at a press conference, picked up a weird off-brand AR-15 SBR, and he declared on open and in public this is a ghost gun. And I'm like, finally, the, the supernatural have been a real problem lately. And an AR-15 <laughs> is freaking amazing. Thank you, man. And he goes, this with a, a 30 caliber clip can unload in half a second. 30 calibers in half a second. And you're like, oh, oh, you're, oh, you're that dumb. Oh, Jesus. Which, and here's the thing, right? Like these people have staff. Their staff has Google. Yeah. And like, I, I get it. I, I speak, I teach, Caleb teaches, Jack has taught. We've been in front of audiences and we've all said something that's like words. All right. Sure. This man never yeah. went back and said like 
30 round magazine, 30, even I would have taken 30 round clip. I would have taken 30 round clip. Nope. 30 caliber clip in half a second, which is an absolutely absurd fire rate. But I wish right. I had something they could dump 30 rounds in half a second. We <laughs> we are not who they're talking to. No. They are they are talking to Pandy Housewives. Um I will I will never forget it. Um of all the things that got banned in the ninety-four era and the nineteen eighty-five eighty-six era, uh the street sweeper becoming a destructive street sweeper from me. It is not a good gun. No. <laughs> like if you've ever shot one, it has a really heavy trigger because not only are you like firing the gun, you're having to turn this giant, you know, like rotating right. thing full of and when you fire your 12 rounds, you now have to unload that thing like it is a single army cult. Like you have to open the low gate, punch out a shell, load in the new one turn and repeat the process reloading a street sweeper is a probably a two to three minute experience it cannot be fired fast it is but it not, looks so cool it does look cool. it does look like fun. it's a lot of fun as a like a woo look at this gun but that got banned and it's clearly the reason why is because it had a scary name mm-hmm and um, I don't know why they didn't just call it the arm cell striker, which was its actual name. Like that's way less terrifying than street sweeper. Street sweeper. Uh, I will also uh, forever remember that like the people that were editing Nelly's songs didn't understand that a street sweeper cocked and ready to go uh, was not uh, a, a, a nice word to use on the radio. And that went unedited for years. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, like, like I as a kid, I was, you know, I knew about the street sweeper. I'm like, yeah, he's talking about doing a drive by in a relatively happy song. We're like, no one like street sweeper. I'm like, uh, that that man that, is getting ready. That man is talking. So, that's murder. That, uh, fun that fact: talking uh, about murder. Uh, fun fact about the American street sweeper, which I actually didn't know, is that it was a copy of the Armsell Striker which was made by Cobra. And boy, you want to talk about a company that got destroyed by the assault weapons ban, Cobra. Never uh, never forget what they took from us. They took uh, transferable MAC-10s is what they took from us. Yeah, they did. And transferable MAC-11s. And the MAC-11A1 in 380, which, by the way, is possibly one of the most fun guns in the world is the 380 MAC-11, because it goes, and you're like, oh, I'm not a... I'm out of ammo. About 32 rounds here. <laughs> I, I am a. I am always a big fan of the Mac 10 and 45, which is completely dumb. Just, <laughs> it's completely uncontrollable. Like we're. All... I wouldn't say that. I... Okay, listen. Your listen. your definition of control is not the average definition of control. It's not yes. my fault. It's not my fault that I get to have more fun with Solanos than everyone else. Look, but I will not have look, them the most annoying thing. People. The most annoying thing being said in hashtags right now is built different, but you get to use it. The rest <laughs> of us can't. I am built different in the wrong direction. Okay, I am small. I had a Mac Ten in a gun store built that I ran. Different need booster seat. It had a stock on it. I have really good fundamentals even me applying every inch of the fundamentals that i have the gun would run away from me after like yeah, if i tried to do a full bag it would by you know the 10th round it's you know head box and then after that it's just i, I gotta i gotta white anti-aircraft yeah exactly 
I got a good oh, reminder about different operating mechanisms and just how nice uh, it is that the Germans are so anal retentive about getting something right that they make a difficult concept, like a really difficult concept work. Because I brought my two 9mm SBRs out to shoot over the weekend after a course just to run them a little bit. I have an MP5 clone and I have a Scorpion and the Scorpion's direct blowback. So it's got a little bit of recoil to it. That gun shakes a little bit. Not, not bad, not not anything that's uncontrollable. I wouldn't even call it recoil. It recoils in what I consider a normal amount. It feels like the exact same recoil I get out of a handgun, just in, a, in an SBR configuration. And then you go to the MP5 and it doesn't move. And you're like, yeah. oh, because the Germans are like, allow us to apply the magic of physics and direct all the energy everywhere except back into your shoulder so you just feel the gun shake we talk about submachine guns on this show a lot and i think it's because submachine guns are the shit and we all wish submachine that guns are really fucking cool are they we all wish that there were no, more transferable five, five, six guns. Is if you want to talk Sub about like, are cool. the, the ideal defensive firearm is a machine pistol mm -hmm. especially for like home defense yeah right like something light enough quick enough and able uh, I, I want to be careful about how I say this because, like, I believe the ideal like home defense weapon is um, the the Raider chassis for the three twenty. Oh, interesting! With like a three round burst capability, and like I suppose a, you can't draw. Well, hey, the three twenty has burst capability in it already, so. <laughs> 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 you said the quiet part out loud. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh but man. no, I'm I'm very like I'll I'll uh from from the standpoint of there there's a reason that um SWAT teams and uh whatnot have gone away from sub guns and have gone to five five six and the ballistics of five five six and everything like that. There are reasons for it, but from a pure from the pure standpoint of a a gun that is very easy to operate, that's very lightweight, that's very controllable, but you have additional control over a handgun without much additional complexity. Jack is spot on. Like it's going to run like your handgun, but you have three points of control instead of one now that it's in a chassis and it's going to get what you need to done and you can hammer out rounds fast out of it. Guys, there are transferable. Like that has next to no recoil and you can literally just spit rounds at what you need to you can throw a 124 grain plus p hollow points at somebody like it's going out of style and you're going to solve your issue there and yeah, you your average done, and you haven't done anything you, you haven't gone into ammunition complexity you haven't gone into uh system complexity and there's a lot to be said about that so i will i will jump on the nine mil nine mil carbines are definitely good home defense options um, I, I also think like something in the MP5 to MP5K range is also fine. Mm -hmm. Um, it needs to be like really simple. Um, like ideally, if I was setting up the perfect home defense weapon, uh, it would as you like picked up this little compact nine millimeter uh PDW, the light would immediately come on and it Ooh, would just yeah. stay on I... and it would be really bright. I've always thought that if we could engineer a PDW type thing along the same lines of how we engineer and how we think of an automatic electric defibrillator, like it helps you 
Right. I um, like there's some viability there. And I, I know so the light comes back. on, the like, site comes on, every everything's on when I pick this up. Would would I would I you know and let's head this off. Am I saying that like if you were like doing some CQB, you'd want your light on all the time? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying when my girlfriend hears her door get kicked in in the middle of the night, that light coming on automatically and staying on and staying very bright until she decides to turn it off is one less decision she has to make in what will probably be her first time thinking about this problem. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Uh, so we've gone in this episode from making fun of uh, dumb hot takes on gun control to pointing out that some machine guns are in fact the best home defense guns available. Uh I I like the idea. What was it? Didn't, didn't Surefire make a foreign for the MP5 that basically when you would grab it, yeah, it would light. Yep. It would like you would pick it up, grab it, and it would have that instant. Yeah, it has it has a it has a tape switch. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but the, so but the like, proper way to grab it is the way to hit that switch. So what you what you would need is a foreign that activates sort of like the uh the the crimson trace laser grips where it's got a master on off and you just leave the master on on but it doesn't actually illuminate until you grab the pressure pad and the pressure pad just happens to be exactly where you put your hand and then all of a sudden light and then machine gun. And, and uh, I I've seen some I, I, there were some holster companies playing with the idea and you can do this with like a, a pad the master fire from sure like fire. Yep. So you grab it. The default state is on once it's out of the holster or away from the the control. If it's next to the surface, like, you know, a security a security door does. If it's closed, you know, systems on. But once it's open, alarm goes off when this one same same idea. Once those two separate light comes on, sight comes on. Um, you're in home defense mode. Like, good concept. Good, good thought. You know, it's not good thoughts, though. Bad attempts at gun control. Bad attempts mm. at gun control. So many of them. Again, uh, who is the we, one that said... Do, do they even count as thoughts? What What really gets me is, like, she was asked, do you think this will stop criminals? And she's like, well, no. And it's like, aha, we get to the, we get to the uh-huh. root of the problem. Yeah, um, if she had very earnestly said, yes, I think this will, like... I could entreat with that person who's responding emotively and being mm. like, I am glad your heart is in the right place, even though your head is up your ass. Like, I, I'm glad your heart's in the right. But if you come back to me and say, this is not going to help the problem, I say it's going to help at all. What are you doing? Oh, I I'm think, trying to have a conversation. Yeah, I I think realistically, um, Cities like Chicago and Baltimore and Washington, D.C. prove emphatically gun control does not stop gun violence. No. no. Um, are there social programs that do? I, I think there are. There are, there are opportunities, and I'm not uh, – one of the things I, I loved about Dr. William Apen, rest in power. Um, A real one. Is he he would say it's hard to get guys like y'all meat eaters to understand that social programs matter and they do they may not matter to you where you live but you might live in a nice area in worse places that kind of helps and it keeps it keeps people who aren't like us safer 
Mm-hmm. And that's things like job opportunities, after school programs, things like this. So I'm not trying to tell you that all the social programs in the world solve the world's issues. They don't. But some no, do. A lot, a lot of them are run like absolute dog shit. But there are good ones out there that are, in fact, making a difference because they're in places that do. And I, I would challenge you to look at the the police stations in these areas that have these very hard gun controls. Baltimore's a great example. Baltimore famously ran a gun control task force or the gun trace task force, which, by which the way, was so watch corrupt. You all watch that HBO had, show yeah, about it. I highly recommend go watch We Own the City, which is about a corrupt law enforcement unit. Um, fantastic, six parts. Uh, they were allowed to run amok because of gun control, because of the, the scary thing of we're getting guns off the streets. How many people were the guns that they took off the streets? Just normal people who wanted to be safe. Mm-hmm. And and that is that is the thing that gets me about this is they put guns on the table and they're like, we found these two guns and this bag of weed. And I'm like, that's not a criminal. That's a guy who was dumb. Right. And, and, and one of the problems that you have with gun control, especially in places like Baltimore, in places that are uh, in places that have a significant, I'm going to say a significant the flex, income. The, the posts and the flex uh, from cops out in New York is so weird. We're like, we found this single shot 22 and a bunch of a bunch of drugs. And it's like, I, I, I would at least say that like New York City while also a place of terrible gun control laws, isn't rampantly out of control. No. There are... Chicago is okay. There are parts of Chicago I would not go. Um, I'm not a big fan of Chicago, but it, it is also not the worst place. There are worse places. No, you, there, go to, there, you go to Baltimore, Baltimore is out of control. Baltimore is a failed state. Um. And the gun violence there is out of control, and there are no laws stopping that. The um, uh, one of the interesting things that you run into with gun control, uh, especially in states like that. So, like, I so and I, and I will point out. So, I will use myself as an example of you know we'll talk about privilege here. In this case, economic, right? In a city, in a in a state like Maryland. I have the resources and time to navigate the necessary legal waters to acquire my gun legally, right? There are other people who are poor, who work two jobs, who also want to get a gun for home protection, for personal protection or something like that, and do not have the time or resources or even desire to interact with the permitting department, the police department, all of that to do that. Should those people, but those people are now criminalized by gun control laws simply for wanting to exercise their right as an American and defend their home with a firearm. And it's because gun control laws place financial and time burdens on people and gun control law. And I'll be very clear about this. All gun, gun control laws are never meant to stop the people who are passing them from having access to guns. Those people will always have access to the levers of power and the time and the money necessary to get guns all right there is a reason why there is a the gun culture in europe is basically rich assholes Mm -hmm. it's because the laws were passed so that the rich assholes could still have guns but they didn't want you know like the people that like to do revolution Mm -hmm. to have access to guns so we're just gonna 
we're going to cut that off. And that is the the, the uh, driving force behind – oh, I mean, the driving force behind all gun control is to make sure that the people that would be most likely to storm your office and kick you out for doing criminal things as a – the base, Yeah, the base place is to, to control people. Yeah, yes. 100%. Always has been, it's, always will it's be. It's always about con- – and if you look it at was, – It was that way before it was guns. Yeah. If you look at the National Crime Victimization Survey, it it backs up exactly what Caleb just said. The and the NCA the NCBS for 2022 dropped last week, I think, and I was looking at it. And there there's an interesting if you look at um, the the uh, income brackets, it becomes very 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 obvious where uh, gun control is applied and where it's doing the most harm. Because if you look at the the uh, income ranges of $50,000 household income all the way up to $200,000 household incomes, combined household incomes, that's, you're safe. In in the United States, you're in a safe space. You're in a safe demographic. You're in the two lowest uh, categories um, for being victimized, um, race, race kind of out the window. You go under twenty five thousand, you are five times greater risk. If your household income is low, your your risk of victimization is five times greater. That that's the numbers. That's what came out of twenty twenty two. The the people who do not have the the people who are at the most financial risk, the most criminal risk, uh, the low income. It, it's there. All the data is there. So, guys, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap up this episode in which we've covered aviation, uh, fighter pilot, doctor, physicists, and why gun control is stupid. And it's and I and, oh, and why submachine guns and submachine guns are awesome. This might be the most gun day brunch episode in the history of gun day. What brunch. happens when the ADHD meds wear off? Yeah, the gun exactly. Day we're like, well, here we go, heads. guys. Uh, but that is it for this week. Thank you everyone for liking, sharing, subscribing, watching, listening, and all of those fun things that you do. If you don't do those things, make sure to go ahead and subscribe, hit the notification bell so that you know when new episodes come out. And I do want to, uh, shout out to, uh, at Dale Griffey 7300, who left a comment on our Curio and Relics license episode where he said shit in all caps with four exclamation points. I assume that he means that he thinks that episode is the shit and he loves it and isn't saying that it's shitty because he is probably a CNR holder and got his fucking fifis hurt, which may be the case. Anyway, guys, that is it. uh, I was contacted by a CNR or former CNR holder after this, and he's like, I know you guys were talking about me wink <laughs> well you know what good for him for you know, standing up and being like ah you fucking he, got, he, me. He was, got he was me very he was a very good sport about it he's like yeah and you know what to their credit i had a couple of those interactions as well where they were like it was and it was again it was those guys who because I I was the same way. I got one when I was in my you know mid twenties. I was a millennial. I'm still a millennial technically, but you know what I mean. Like I was a young like into the scene, and I was like doing the stuff. And yeah, we did a lot of cringy shit in our early twenties. It's fine. They, uh, that, they got it. We all got over it. Memory on my so, social media, and I quietly hit delete. <laughs> unlike my coworkers who check this thing a lot more frequently than I do, I, I immediately went to go check the comment sections. I I don't read a lot of comments. I do want to give a shout out to Simbri49. I don't know who you are, but I know we've met. And yes, long live the bar.
was that the guy that guy had a whole comment like a whole comment thread oh no that's a different guy no a different guy oh there's um, a different guy yeah good times well guys that is it uh we'll be back next week <laughs>